Well, good morning, Edinburgh. Good to be here with you. And uh, if you're a guest with us, I, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're so glad you're here. Hope you can just sit back and just enjoy the rest of the service. If you're watching online, glad you are tuned in with us as well. Um, I'd also want to just take a second to uh, thank all of you who have served or do serve uh, in the armed forces. Thank you for the freedom you afford us all. Uh, the First Amendment, the protection to uh, worship um, without uh, being told who or uh, how we worship. That is the foundation of all of our freedom, something we, we do tend to take for granted. So I want to say especially a thank you to all of you, you and your families um, who serve us in that way. Um, I, I was taking a retreat earlier in the year, and I was asking myself this question on the retreat. If I was stuck on an island and I could only take one book of the Bible or only a few chapters of the Bible, what would I take with me? Now, I know what you're thinking. Man, you know how to have a good time on a retreat, right? Um, but actually, as I was thinking about it, I, I, I realized if I was on an island, the book I would want to take would be the book of Romans. And if I could only take a few chapters, I would take Romans chapters 6 through 8. I believe these are three of the most important chapters in all of the Bible because these three chapters tell us who we are, who we become in Christ, and how we can begin to have more and more victory in our lives as we follow Jesus. And I want to start just by asking you this question, is there anything in your life right now that you wish you could change? I know there's certainly things in my life I wish I could change. I wish I would, could be in the gym a little bit more. I, I wish I could eat a little more healthy than I do. I, I wish I could look a little bit more like Ryan Gosling um, and, 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 and maybe a little less like one of the Backstreet Boys, um, whoever that guy is. Uh, I wish I was a little bit more organized. I, I wish I was a little more confident in certain things. And I wish I was a little more content and a little less anxious about things as well. Let me ask you this follow-up question, though. Um, have you ever tried to change something about yourself only to find yourself slipping back to your old tendencies and your old way of life? <laughs> I know I certainly have. The more organized, more contented, less anxious me often falls short. You see, we tend to start off with good intentions, and we mean well, and for a time, we do the things that we need to do, and we try to discipline ourselves, only to find ourselves a short time later falling back into our old habits and patterns of life. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 7, verses 18 through 19. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You see, the Apostle Paul, as much as anyone else in, in human history, understood this tension in the Christian life. He understood this struggle to change. But the Apostle Paul also says this elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has Begun. You see, as believers, we believe that once we put our faith in Jesus, we become a new creation. We become a new person in Christ. Yet why then do we still struggle? 
Um, when Danielle and I were uh, first married, I, I remember she, her family, wanted us to go stay at this cabin up north. And so Danielle told me, hey, we're going to go stay up at this cabin. Um, and when I heard that, I was a little nervous. Now, now let me just preface this story. I, I like most animals, okay? And, and there's not a lot that frightens me or scares me. In fact, I'm the guy who will pick up snakes and hold them in front of my kids so my kids can see them. Not a whole lot frightens me, and there's not a whole lot of creature, creatures out there that, I, that I'm scared of, except for I don't really like the spider. Just not a big fan of, of the spider. So as soon as she told me we were going to go stay at this cabin, I got a little nervous. I'm thinking, what kind of cabin are we talking about here? Are we thinking like a nice cabin? It's kind of like a home on a lake. Or are we talking about like a rustic cabin that's got lots of spiders? So we drove up to this cabin. I'm a little nervous all the way up there just wondering what, what I'm going to find. And when we get there, it's, it's actually a, it's a, it's a nice cabin. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Nice and clean. We go inside. It's late. And as we're chit-chatting, I'm sitting around checking out all the corners, looking for spider webs. But so far, it, it checks out. Then we go to bed. And it's about midnight. We got there late. We're tired. We're exhausted. And we go into the bedroom, and we pull back the covers on the bed, only to find this giant spider on my pillow sucking the juices out of this dead grasshopper. You could hear the juices. You could, I mean, you could hear it. And I look at the spider, and the spider looks at me. And, and before I can kill it, it scurries off, scurries down the wall, and hides under the bed. So I did what any good husband would do. I asked my wife to crawl under there and kill it for me. Um, and after changing pillows with, with Danielle... Uh, which left this juice stain of this grasshopper. We crawled in the bed because we didn't want to deal with it. The problem was I couldn't sleep all night. I knew that spider was lurking under the bed. And, and, and rather than get it under the bed and kill this spider, we just left it alone because we didn't want to deal with it. And I tell you, all week I didn't get any sleep. Our sin is sometimes like that. It's right there beneath the surface. It's under the bed. And yet so often we, we just we don't want to deal with it. Or we just hope that it'll go away. Or we just try to sweep it under the rug. For me, one of these issues has been anger. I, I grew up and I've, I've dealt with anger most of my life. Now, anger itself is not a sin. It's what you do with anger that makes it sinful. And I got to tell you, most of the time, 95% of the time, I'm actually a pretty even kill person. But every once in a while, I can go from zero to 60 like that. When I was a kid playing sports, I remember if we lost a game, I, I've been known to pick up a basketball and throw it, uh, chunk it across the court, or to punch the wall only to have my dad yell at me from the stands or to have my coach bench me. And, and so rather than, uh, you know, stop getting angry, what I just started doing was, was hiding my anger. I'd go into the locker room and punch a locker and yell something there that I, that I, shouldn't, I shouldn't yell. Now as a husband and, and a father, I still find myself struggling with anger from time to time. 
My kids can be noisy and it can sometimes get to me and has any parent found themselves doing this, yelling at the top of their lungs, there will be no yelling in this house. I have. And sometimes even in cordial conversations, cordial arguments with my wife, I found myself saying things that are hurtful. It's like that sin is still there. It's still underneath the surface And I've tried to deal with it over the years. I've prayed about it. I've journaled about it. And yet it's still something that I struggle with. I'm a believer in in Jesus Christ, and I try to follow Christ, but I can still sense that struggle in me from time to time. And, And that's what this series is about. Why do we have that struggle? And here's the big question of the series. How do I live like a new person. If I'm a new creation in Christ, how do I really live as a new person? And so, that, so over the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking Romans 6 through 8, and every week we'll unpack a little bit more how you can live as the brand new you. But before I dive in to chapter 6, I want to unpack what Paul says from chapters 1 through 5. You see, Paul sets up this argument in the book of Romans uh, through chapters 1 through 5 that it's not that we just sin, even though he does say all sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's deeper than that. He, He teaches why we sin, and we sin because we have a sin nature. We don't just sin. We are sinful. It's something that we were born with goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God created this good garden, and he said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree that you like, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was to be a test of their faith and their obedience. Supposed to bring them joy as they trusted and obeyed their God. But Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And when they did, we're told it brought sin into the world, and it affected and infected their children. And we are the children of Adam and Eve, now born with this sin nature. See, Paul says this in Romans 5.12. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the human race. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. See, we're counted in Adam, and as such, we are counted as sinners before God. I'll show you an illustration here. Represents what's happened to us. The Bible's telling us that when we are born... We were actually born and found in Adam. So when I was born, I was born a sinner, counted in Adam. That's who I was. When my kids were born, Logan and Michaela, they're twins, and that's been interesting to observe over the years. The Bible says that they were born sinful, and I didn't actually even need the Bible to tell me that, okay? Um, <laughs> I've told you this story before, but I remember when they were about one and a half, uh, I was observing uh, Michaela wanting this book from her brother Logan, and Logan didn't want to give her the book. So Michaela picked up a bigger book, 
and whacked Logan over the head with it. When Logan came to, Michaela was holding the book and now looking at the pictures in the book. I learned at an early age they are sinful. Then we had little Callie. Callie can be so sweet and innocent when she's sleeping, okay? But when she's awake, it is very clear she is a sinner. This is what the Bible says. We're all sinners. Pastor Josh is a sinner. Pastor Tyler, Pastor, I'm going to have to tell you, Pastor Bob, he's a sinner, all right? My wife, I don't know if she's watching, so I'm just going to put this over here. Um, no, she, she's a sinner. Listen, the Pope, sinner. We're all born with this sin nature, and it seems so unfair, but that's why God did for us what he does. Because, friends, this is not good news. This is bad news. Because we are counted in Adam, the Bible teaches that we are separated from God, and it was only God who could help us. So Paul, he goes on to say in Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. See, this is what Jesus has done for us. He came and he lived the perfect, righteous life. He took our sin on the cross where he absorbed the justice, the, the punishment that you and I deserved. In a sense, you could say he paid the hell that you and I deserved for our sin. And there at the cross, he took our punishment and paid our price, absorbing the justice and the wrath that we all deserved. And he gives us his righteousness so that we can now be counted in Christ. Friends, this is, this is the good news, that when we place our faith in Christ, he has paid the price for our sin and given us a righteous standing so that you and I can now have peace with God, so that you and I can now have a relationship with God, so that when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus, because we are now counted in Jesus Christ. This is very good news for sinners, and you can see, church, why we have a mission and a responsibility to tell people this good news. Paul goes on to say this, in 517, he says, the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. That's that eternal separation and eternal death we were born into. But to all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness, right standing before God will triumph over sin and death through the one man, Jesus Christ. How do you receive that? Well, it's a free gift. Paul says this in Romans 10, 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will cross over from being a child of Adam to being counted righteous and perfect in Christ, a child of God. But this poses a, a problem. If that's true, if we are now in Christ, then how come we still struggle with sin? How come that's still um, a, a struggle in all of our lives? If I can give you a, another example, another illustration, I would compare it to, say, a trust fund that's set up in your name. Just imagine with me for a minute, there's somebody who loves you, a benefactor of some sort, and they set up this trust fund for you. And let's have a little fun with it. it it's got millions and millions and millions of dollars 
in this trust fund. And it's yours. It's got your name written all over it. But you don't actually start to receive the benefits of that trust fund until you start drawing money out. In the same way, we are counted righteous and have salvation in Christ, but we don't start to experience the benefits and the victory that we can have in life until we start drawing from Jesus. Friends, this is what Paul teaches us in Romans 1 through 5. And with the, just the, the short amount of time we have left, what I want to do is I want to give us two ways that you and I can start drawing this, these new benefits we have from Christ so that we can start to experience the new life that God wants for each and every one of us. The first thing we got to do is we got to put sin to death daily. If you're going to have victory in your life, you're going to have to start daily putting sin to death. It's not just a one-time decision. It's something you got to do on a daily basis. Paul says this in Romans 6, 6 through 7. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. The Bible says that you and I have been set free from the power of sin. The power of sin has been broken through what Jesus Christ has done for us. But if the power of sin has been broken in our lives, how come we still struggle? It's because even though the power has been weakened in our lives, there is still a pull of sin on our lives. The power has been weakened, but we still can feel this pull to go against God's will for our lives. Uh, growing up, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, I, I signed up for this thing through Columbia Records where you would pay like a dollar a month or something like that, and then they would send you out like 10 free CDs, Right? Uh, the problem was you were on the hook for like the rest of your life. You were paying that dollar. I think my parents are still on the hook for me signing up for that. But I, I can remember my first few albums. I, I remember getting the, uh, I got the Green Day first album. I remember getting, uh, let's say, the Weezer Blue album. I got Metallica. And even though I, I don't really listen to those, those CDs anymore, I have so many of those songs memorized and can, I can still hear the, the lyrics in, in, my, in my head. And you see, sin is a lot like that in our lives as believers. You and I have the power to push play or not to push play. But many of us can still hear those old messages, those old lyrics from our old self playing in our minds. Messages like, you know, everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal. Or, or messages just like, you know, this is just human nature, so, so, so why not? Messages like, God doesn't really care about that, like he really cares about that issue in, in my life. I just want to take a time out and ask you, what's that message that you hear going through your mind? See, that's our old self, and, and that's, the, that's the part that has to be crucified. That's the pull we still feel from sin. You and I have the power to push play or not to push play, and you and I also have the power to begin turning down the volume of those messages in our minds. 
And so really quickly, I want to just give you three ways that you can start turning down the volume and putting sin to death in your life. First, it starts with you got to confess your sin. you got to just be open and honest before God and say, God, this is my struggle. I'm struggling with anger. God, I'm angry with this person over here. I'm angry for what that person in my past did to me. Or I'm, I, God, I'm struggling with lust. Or I'm struggling with jealousy, and I can't seem to be content. It starts with honesty, friends. Healing begins with confession. Secondly, you've got to deal with it. You've got to take some action steps. You might have to put a filter on your computer. You might have to go find an accountability partner, become a part of a community group. But you've got to start dealing with your sin. You've got to take action and be intentional. But you can't just stay there. And I find this is where many Christians get stuck. They'll confess it and, and they'll put some measures in place to try to stave off that sin in their life only to find themselves going back. Because this third thing I'm going to say is very important for our life if you're going to have victory. You've got to turn to something better. The word repentance, it literally means to turn. But it's not just to turn away from our sin. It's to turn to something else. And friends, who we turn to is Jesus. And what we find when we really, really, really get to know this Jesus is that he is better. He's better than our sin. He brings benefits to our life that sin can never bring into our lives. He can give us a love. He can give us a joy. He can give us a peace. He can give us a hope that sin can never give. When you really, really, really get to know Jesus, what you begin to discover is Jesus is better than any promise sin can make in your life. And so I just want to ask you the question, have you really gotten to know him? When was the last time you actually prayed to Jesus and spent some intentional time just talking? If you're not talking with him, how are you ever going to get to know him? When was the last time you spent intentional time in his word and let his word get into your, into your life? Friends, I'm promising you that when you get to know Jesus, what you will discover after a time of doing your battles in this life with him is that Jesus is better, and he will become more attractive to, to you than the temptations of your sin. So if I'm struggling with anger, then what I've got to do is I first I've got to go to God, and I've got to confess, God, I, I'm angry, and it's affecting these areas of my life. Then I've got to deal with it. I've got to get an accountability partner. I've got to find someone I can talk to. I've got to start journaling. I've got to do whatever I have to do to start dealing with this anger issue, putting a filter over my mouth. But then I've got to turn to Christ and remember that Jesus and the peace that he gives me is better than holding on to that grudge or what's ever making me angry because that anger is just going to turn into to depression at some point in my life. And so I go to Christ and I remind myself, Jesus, you are better. Whatever that sin is in your life, confess it, deal with it, and then turn to Christ and learn that he is better. That's how we start daily putting our sin to death. But the second thing, very quickly, that I want to suggest to us is you've got to start living like you're free. You've got to actually start living like you're free. Paul goes on to say this in verse 14, sin is no longer your master. 
Some of you this morning, you need to hear that. That's good news. And it's no longer your master if you are in Christ. Instead, live under the freedom of God's grace. This is what Jesus brings us. He brings us freedom, but we've got to start walking in it. Let's start experiencing him. Let's start drawing from him so we can have that freedom in our lives. That means you can have the freedom over sin. You, you can have freedom over those secrets that you've been holding on to in your life that the devil's telling you, you know, if you, if you tell people about that, who knows what they're going to think about you. And so you're living in this box of shame. Jesus wants us to confess our sins and be honest about our struggles so that people can see God working in our life through our sin and through our struggles that we're trying to battle. I never thought I'd be able to stand in front of a crowd and tell people that I, 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 I used to be a drug addict. But because of Jesus, I've been able to be honest about that and open about that so that God receives the glory for what he's done in my life and is still doing in my life. And once you do that, friends, it is freeing. It is freeing because it's all about God. It's not about me. He can give you that freedom over sin. He can give you freedom over worry and anxiety. Once you realize God's in control, that he loves you and he has a good plan specifically for you, you can just start to feel the freedom of trusting him and waiting on him to do what he's promised in your life. You can even have the freedom over the fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of death because of the benefits we have in Christ. In fact, Paul says this in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 6, since we died with Christ... Jesus took our sin on the cross. We know we also live with him. He's been resurrected, and so we have his new life in us, and we receive the benefits of eternal life through that. That's why Paul goes on to say, death no longer has any power over him. And Jesus promised, whoever puts their faith in me, death will no longer have any power over them either. Friends, that's freedom. And you know you're going to spend eternity with God. What that means is no matter where you're at today, the best is still yet to come for your life. And that'll help you walk in freedom. I love what Pastor Louis Giglio says. Listen to this. He says, the gospel isn't simply a message of how bad people become good. It's a part of it. But that's not the main message of Christianity. Our Christian faith, the main message is it's the power by which dead people come to life. People who are spiritually dead come to life. Freedom over their sin. Freedom over their secrets and their shames. Freedom over their worries and their anxieties. Freedom even over the fear of death because we know we will live eternally with God. How do we receive that? Paul says this in verse 13. He says, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. I want you to underline that word completely. It's part of our Christian battle now. Learning how to give ourselves completely over to God. I have learned that what Christians tend to do is compartmentalize their lives. God, I will give you this part of my life, but I will not give you this part. I won't give you this sin I'm struggling with over here. I'm not going to give you this idol, this thing that I value so highly over here because I'm afraid what you will do with it. And friends, it is scary. It is scary. 
But what the Bible is promising is that when you will open up every door in your life and say, God, it is yours. Come in. Come into my hurts. Come into my pains. Come into my anxieties. Come into my worries. Come into whatever that area of your life is. God, come into it. What he's promising is I will bring new life and freedom into that area of your life. just want to ask you the question. What this morning do you need to surrender over to God? I want to give you this promise as your pastor who loves you. If you open up that door and let him in, he will bring nothing but new life and freedom into that area of your life. Someone who experienced this uh, is someone here at Edinburgh Church. His name is Joe Miller. And Joe was a believer in Christ, but he needed to open up a door of his life and let God in. And I want you to hear Joe's story. Take a look at the screen. Started in eighth grade with a simple video on YouTube. Eventually, by 12th grade, it became every day after school for an hour, two hours. And then when I went to college, it got even worse because I didn't go to church no more because I thought I can do it on my own. I can solve it. I don't need God's help. I don't need anyone's help. And then I got my junior year, I was very depressed and I almost hung myself because of the depression of porn and feeling like I was in a jail cell because the devil made it feel like there was the only way that I could escape my problem is by suicide. After porn got born, I started to chat with other women on the sites because the videos weren't fulfilling enough. They didn't fill my needs, so I went to that. But then that eventually just led to more depression because at first it's fun, it's nice, but it's short term. In the long term, it, it, your whole perspective on life, your whole, what you hold as a priority changes. It's all those stories that it's tough sometimes to talk about because it brings up a lot of memories that I'm not proud of and I'm not, I don't tell people, oh, I was a porn addict for eight years. It was the best time of my life. It was one of those times where I wish I would have stopped after the first video, wish I would have told someone, said, hey, this is how I'm actually feeling. I have a problem. I don't know how to get out of it because the devil made it seem like the way to get out of it was suicide. And that knowing now that's not the answer because if I would have done that, I would have hurt my family, my friends. I wouldn't have been living the mission that God had for me. And that's another reason I wanted to share because God can use our pains and our scars and our tragedies and our past that the devil tries to destroy us. We can use that for his good to tell people that, hey, look what God did in my life. So Pastor Brent did a sermon about repentance. And he talked about you can, you can say you're going to stop doing something, but until you give your life to Christ and truly say, God, I can't do it, then it's never going to work. So for me, actually the day before, I almost wanted to commit suicide. So I kind of look at it as a way of God, you know, that one night helped me not for doing it, came to church the next day, and Brent talked about repentance and how you have to turn to God. And also just, I was at the point where I didn't know how to, to resolve it myself because I tried to do it with alcohol. And alcohol didn't work. So I was at a point to where I just fell on my knees and I was like, God, I can't, I can't escape this. I don't know how to get out of it. So 
there's only one way that I've heard to get free, and that's you. So that's that's how I turned. I just got tired of trying to do it. I just got tired of the depression and the suicidal thoughts, and just I just didn't know what else to do. I just fell to my knees and said, God, I can't get through this. Only you can help me get through this. So it's just for anyone who's out there struggling with porn, don't be ashamed. You tell somebody, it will help immensely. Find an accountability partner. When you feel tempted, run to the Bible because the Bible is the only thing that saved me. If I didn't run to God, there's no way on earth I would probably still be an addict to this day. Watching porn on my computer, on my phone, wherever I could get the content. So just don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to tell someone because it might save your life. You might save someone else's life that you know in your family. They might not have told anybody. For high school students, for youth students, for adults, God is better. Way better than porn. Way better. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for your courage sharing that. So many of us who just need to, to hear that, but do you see the new life in that? He was finally willing to surrender that to God. God brought new life, and he will do that for you, too. And whatever that area of your life is, that you need to surrender over to him this morning. And so I just want to end by giving you two challenges. And before I give you these two challenges, I'm going to ask us all to do something. Would we all just pull out our cell phones? I know it's church, but I'm telling you it's okay, it's good, move a little bit. Just pull out your cell phone if you'd be willing. I want to give you these two challenges first. I want to challenge you, if you have never been baptized, if you put your faith in Christ but you've never been baptized, I strongly want to encourage you to get baptized at our Lake Baptism service that's coming up the first week of August. Um, many people who get baptized, they say, I did that and I feel like a new person. That's because you are. And baptism is a powerful way that we symbolize what Christ has done for us. And when we do that, we're drawing from him that freedom and those benefits we have in his name by being obedient to doing what he's told us and asked us and called us to do. So if you would be interested in getting baptized all I uh, want to ask you to do is just at this point, would you just text in Edinburgh Baptism to 555-888. Let us know so that we can give you next steps. That's Edinburgh Baptism to 555-888. And then my second challenge to those of you is for those of you who maybe this morning you need to surrender your life to Christ. Maybe it's time for you to have that new life that we've talked about this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do that so that you can cross over from death in Adam to eternal life in Jesus Christ and you can begin experiencing that new life with us as we continue on in this series. And so if that's you this morning, I would encourage you to just text yes Jesus to 555-888. We're going to send you out a free resource that will give you next steps um, to help you. At this time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask us all to stand up, and I just want to close this in a word of prayer. God, your love for us, it's so great. 
We, we can't even get our minds around it. The fact that you love us the way you do to, to, to help us who are absolutely helpless. And to move us from being separated from you, God, to coming into a beautiful, meaningful, right relationship with you, even though we still struggle. The fact that you love us in the midst of our struggles and want to help us in the midst of our struggles, it just testifies to who you are that because of Christ, we are now safe to struggle so that we don't have to run from you, but we can run to you when we need you. Lord, I know there are some here this morning, they need to get baptized, they need to be obedient. That's the next step you've asked us to do as believers. And so I just pray you'd put it on their heart to take advantage of this baptism service coming up. And I know there's others of us here this morning, Lord, who for the first time, we need to say yes to Jesus. And we need to receive what Christ has done for us so that we can have that eternal life we have in his name and we can begin drawing those benefits here in this life. And so if you're out there and that's you and you need to make that decision this morning, I just want to ask you to pray this prayer in your heart, just you and God. You just say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and I believe you have done everything necessary so that I can have a right relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and coming back to life and giving me the eternal life that we have in your name. Now teach me how to follow you for the rest of my days. We ask this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Church, I love you. <laughs> if you need prayer for anything, there's going to be people up front who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, go in peace and enjoy a bomb pop.